Chapter Two of Historic Girlhoods, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Historic Girlhoods, Volume One, by Rupert S. Holland. Chapter Two: Joan of Arc, the Girl of Doremi, fourteen twelve to fourteen thirty one. A girl of thirteen, dark-haired, dark-eyed, clad in a simple gown of white, caught at the waist by a yellow girdle, sat listening to a small boy who, stretched at her feet, was trying to make music on a willow pipe. A sunny valley lay rolled out before her, and near at hand a dozen well-fed cows were lazily chewing grass. The girl's seat was a moss-covered stone, about her were clumps of flaming red poppies, and further away was a sea of sky-blue cornflowers she herself was burned by the sun until her face and hands were a rich orange-brown the boy threw down his pipe of willow tis broken joan split at the side i know a better willow tree by the muse i'll cut some wands there come sunday and make thee a pipe will play a rare farandole like the minstrels used to play at doremi fair father says there'll be no more fairs in doremi philippe he says we're all like to lose our homes these days he says the english are surely coming for us and will be driven out of france into the sea philippe sat up and crossing his legs rested his elbows on his knees his round blue eyes were very serious the cure says the english are devils joan he crosses himself when they are but named to him and i heard him tell my mother she should pray to the holy statue of saint margaret in the church and offer her a full quarter of her spinning that i fall not in their hands my sister catherine says they have heads like savage beasts and she is twenty and old enough to know said joan the boy flipped a bold grasshopper from his knee and leaned closer toward the girl tis only saint michael can defeat them joan he said in a half whisper i saw his picture on a shield the other night and father says twas he who drove the english from his mount in normandy the one they call mount at peril of the sea the girl nodded i had a dream of saint michael all clad in shining silver some fast days philippe he comes and looks at me and when i wake up i can still see his eyes joan had bent forward and was gazing fixedly at the picture before her the valley of rich meadows crossed by the sluggish waters of the river in a dozen channels the ridge of forest-crowned hills beyond and to one side the red-tiled roofs of the little town of doremi when the soldiers come again and are like to burn our home i'll pray to good saint michael philippe he may hear me he might agreed the boy then he lost interest in the saints when it's jacques turn to tend the cattle wilt thou go to that tree i know of and help me cut some pipes i'll show thee a finch's nest close by too any day and mayhaps we'll find some rushes mother says she'll teach me to weave them in a mat the floor's so cold come winter from the village church came the notes of the soft voice bell proclaiming noon joan rose and smoothed the creases in her simple homespun dress i must be going home now said she i promised catherine i'd help her with the baking look the red heifer straying thou best drive her back good morrow philippe Goodbye, Joan. The boy got to his feet and ran after the heifer who had deserted the rest of the herd. He looked back over his shoulder once and waved his hand to the girl. Joan went slowly across the fields to the village. She was strong for her age, but a fast day, and this was one, always made her drowsy about noon. Moreover, the sun was very warm, and she wore no hat. She passed the scattered houses that made up the little town and went on by a lane that skirted the church and led through her father's orchard to his house. 
the door of the church was open and she could look in at the dim aisle and even catch a glimpse of the altar at the end with a lighted taper before it she stopped to cross herself then passing around the church she entered the orchard here the boughs of the apple and peach trees made a pattern of the sunshine on the grass the shade was very welcome she stopped and leaning against one of the trees half closed her eyes through her drooping lids she suddenly saw a circle of white light whiter than sunlight spread out on the grass between her and the church the clear white circle widened she opened her eyes and saw that the light was also in the air that there was a column of it reaching up to the sky she rubbed her eyes thinking she must be dreaming but the light stayed then slowly came into view a shining figure appearing right out of the air but growing more and more plain until she could see it was an angel with a flaming sword an angel clad in silver with a great halo of golden light about his head she knew it was st michael she dropped to her knees and crossed herself many times the angel stood silently before her and now she saw other angels come slowly into the light and stand about st michael they all looked at her but their lips did not move the light was so bright now that she had to cover her eyes with her hands she fell forward on her knees trembling in great fear when she dared to open her eyes again the wonderful vision had vanished and there were only the trees and the stone wall of the church beyond it was some time later that joan went into the house and joined her sister catherine in the kitchen she had the feeling of having been dreaming but she was quite sure that her eyes had been wide open and that she had actually seen the miracle in the orchard the thought of it kept her silent she felt she could not speak of it to other people they would not believe her or would call her a witch so she went about her work just as if nothing had happened and she was kept very busy because the family were poor peasants and joan was a strong sturdy capable girl who could do a score of useful things indoors she helped her mother with the spinning the sewing the cooking and in keeping the small house clean out of doors she worked in the fields with her brothers gathered the harvest with the other girls of doremi and sometimes took her turn in watching the village cattle in the pasture lands down in the valley of the meuse she seemed to be quite like other girls of her age very fond of bright dresses always ready to dance or play amused at a joke but besides stronger and braver than most of the other girls and always eager to help anyone in trouble when a child or old woman was ill in the town it was joan who was most apt to nurse them to take them flowers or fruit and when some poor wanderer begged james of arc to shelter him overnight it was joan who would give the stranger her bed and sleep on a pile of rushes in her sister's room every one was fond of her and though the other children sometimes teased her for being silent and liking to go to church she paid no heed to them and was happy in her own way near doremi was a fortress called the castle of the island where the noble lord of bolamont and his family lived the men of the village had to take turns in standing guard at the castle but in return they could fly there for refuge in times of danger a giant beech tree stood near the place and it was said that here one of the ancestors of the noble lord had met a fairy and often talked with her on feast days the lord and his family made merry in the shade of this beech and the village children often went there also hung wreaths of flowers on the limbs of the fairy tree danced about it ate their bread and cheese and cakes under its shade and drank the waters of a nearby fountain which were supposed to heal anyone who was sick here the children picnicked one summer day not long after joan had seen the vision of st michael and here philippe brought joan a half dozen willow wands and cut them into pipes and whistles for her the boys and girls ran races against each other and joan was so fleet-footed she could beat many of the boys and after that they danced and then had supper and made a visit to the miraculous fountain to taste its water by sundown they were tired and ready to go home 
they all went together to the village and then scattered on their several ways joan weary but happy entered the little garden back of her father's house and sat down on a bench built against the wall she gave a little sigh of content the evening was beautiful and a warm wind blew across the valley from the west as she sat there resting she thought she caught the sound of voices they did not come from the house but seemed to be borne to her on the soft breeze much surprised she sat up straight then came into shape again before her eyes the faint but clear image of st michael only a little distance from her in the garden his eyes seemed to rest fixedly on hers he grew so distinct she could see the joints in his silver armor and that his lips moved she slid from the bench to her knees and bent her head some power outside herself made her look up two figures stood with st michael now one on each side and she knew they were st catherine and st margaret again joan heard the voice but now she knew it was st michael who was speaking to her he told her the kingdom of france lay in his care that the king of france and all his people were in danger and that she must prepare herself to go to her king's aid for it was through her that france was to be delivered he bade her not be afraid but prepare herself for the great work she was to do and told her that the two saints there with him would be near her always and would direct and strengthen her he ceased speaking and slowly the three figures faded into air and she heard only the whisper of the west wind in the trees she rose from the grass and slowly went indoors all that evening she moved about her home in a trance feeling she had a great secret she could share with no one yet one which she could never forget a night or two later the village priest came for a chat with james of arc the two men talked of the war and of the french and english kings joan sat by the window listening finally she heard her father say these be bad days what with a weak king and the greedy english we french folk are like so many cattle waiting for the slaughter Yesu have pity on us said the priest there is a prophecy made long signed by some holy man that our france shall be ruined by a woman and then be safe restored by a maid from the borders of lorraine we know the woman king charles's mother madame isabeau of bavaria herself but where is the maid god grant she comes soon there seemed to be silence in the room but joan heard a voice speaking to her thou art the maid said the voice thou wast born to save this land of france the summer passed and winter came to lorraine outwardly joan of arc was like the other girls of doremi she helped her mother indoors and her father in the fields she went to mass and confession and she learned as much as her friends did of the troubles of her country but more and more often the voices spoke to her when she was watching the cattle in the pasture or visiting the little chapel on the hillside or sewing in her room at home they would come to her without warning but always when she was alone and they told her again and again that she was to save france but they did not yet tell her how she was to do it sometimes she saw the visions of the saints themselves but more often only heard their voices and in time they grew so familiar to her that she no longer trembled at the sound in the summer when joan was sixteen the english and the soldiers of burgundy swept down on lorraine and the people of doremi peasant folk who were always at the mercy of the troopers left their homes and drove their cattle seven miles southward to the walled town of neufchateau joan now a strong tall girl pretty with her black hair and eyes and sunburned cheeks went with her family and found a home in the walled city with a woman named la russe here safe within the walls she helped the other girls in tending the animals and caring for the housework she heard wild tales of the terrible things the enemy's soldiers were doing in the country and she prayed that her family and friends might not fall into their hands again saint michael appeared to her 
and now he told her that the time was not far distant when she must set forth on her sacred mission the enemy soldiers soon left that part of the country and james of arc and his neighbors were able to return to domremy they found the village burned the church a pile of ruins only the stone walls of their houses standing the crops destroyed their goods carried away they still had their cattle and they set to work to build new roofs for their homes and to go on with their work for the first time the children saw what war meant joan found the orchard where she had seen her first vision laid waste and beyond it the blackened stones of what had been the church she understood that what had happened there was happening all over france and began to realize that god had called her to the wonderful work of saving her countrymen the voices spoke again and now they began to tell her exactly what it was she must do joan was now nearly seventeen and philippe her old friend was much in love with her and asked her to marry him she was very fond of him and liked him much better than she did any of the other youths of doremi but the voices told her that she must not marry but must give all her thoughts to the great work which had been set her philippe entreated her to change her mind but she would not little by little now she spoke to him and to her other friends of the messages st michael and the other saints had sent her in the autumn of fourteen twenty eight the fate of france seemed trembling in the balance bound up with the fate of the city of orleans the english army had just laid siege to that city and if orleans fell france was lost the sovereign of france charles the seventh was a weakling and in the eyes of many french people not really their king but only the heir to the throne or dauphin as he was called because he had not yet been crowned and consecrated as king at the old city of rheims rheims was in the hands of the english but it must be taken from them and charles the dauphin must be crowned and anointed there if he was to be king of france one autumn day in fourteen twenty eight the voices spoke again to the peasant maid of doremi and gave her two commands first to save orleans from the english and second to lead the dauphin to rheims and have him crowned king there naturally the task seemed impossible to joan she pleaded that she could not ride knew nothing of war and had never been out of the valley of the meuse the voices told her that she would be guided safely and that first she must go to the village of valcolours and ask the captain robert of baudricourt for an escort to take her to the dauphin moreover she must not delay she must save the city of orleans her chance to start came almost at once a cousin of hers who lived near valcolours fell sick and joan offered to nurse her at the cousin's house joan told the husband that she was commanded to raise the siege of orleans and asked him to take her to robert of baudricourt the simple peasant was amazed and at first would not believe her but she was so earnest and spoke so positively of the commands given her that finally he yielded and agreed to take her to the captain in valcolours a little later joan and the peasant appeared before robert of baudricourt the captain saw a common farmer and a strong dark pretty girl dressed in coarse red stuff like any ordinary peasant maid joan told him he must send her with an escort to the dauphin the captain laughed loudly and bade her go home and tend the cattle she protested but he only scoffed at her talk of her mission joan however did not go home but stayed in town and told those she met that she must go to the dauphin because she was the maid who was to save france she seemed an honest gentle girl and one by one people began to take an interest in her story and wonder if it could be true one day a roistering soldier named john of metz stopped at the house where she lived and asked for her thinking to make fun of her what are you doing here he demanded when she came to the door 
i have come said joan to a royal city to tell robert of baudricourt to send me to the dauphin but he cares not for me or for my words nevertheless before mid-lent i must be with the dauphin though i have to wear my legs down to my knees no one in the world neither kings nor dukes nor king of scotland's daughter nor any one else can recover the kingdom of france without help from me though i would rather spin by my mother's side since this is not my calling but i must go and do this work for my lord wishes me to do it who is your lord asked the soldier in surprise god said joan the man was so much impressed by her words that he said he would take her to the dauphin himself he asked her when she wished to start rather now than to-morrow rather to-morrow than afterwards joan answered but even with the aid of this soldier and of the friends she had made who believed in her it was some time before joan could persuade the captain to give her an escort at last she told him of the visions and the voices and finally he let himself be persuaded he gave her the men she wanted and she made ready to start on her journey to the dauphin she decided she had better dress as a young man and her friends bought her the clothes she needed and a horse she rode out of valcalours clad in the black vest and hose and gray cloak of a squire booted and spurred with a sword at her side and her hair cut short and round saucer fashion as was the style six armed men went with her she did not want to go she longed to return to her mother and the simple folk of doremi but the voices kept saying over and over go child of god go forth to save france the dauphin was at the castle of chinon in touraine there joan went and begged him to listen to her the news of the peasant girl who thought she was to rescue the land had already come to him and he was curious about her he granted her an interview but thinking to test her hid himself among a group of courtiers as she entered the room the voices told her which was charles and she went straight to him she dropped upon her knees before him gentle dauphin she said i have come to you on a message from god to bring help to you and to your kingdom then in answer to her question she told him how she had been directed to lead his army to the aid of orleans the dauphin was impressed and bade her be cared for at the castle again she had to wait but now the story of her visions and the prophecy that a peasant maid of lorraine should save france had spread abroad and people began to put their faith in her the common people were the first to be convinced because they were by nature superstitious and found no difficulty in believing the marvellous stories that now began to be told about joan after them the captains and the soldiers were willing at least to pretend to believe in her because she would lead them against their enemies and finally charles the seventh himself weak and disappointed king as he was decided that joan could at least do his cause no harm and might do it good and so gave his consent to her requests in a very short time then the simple girl of doremi only seventeen years old was put at the head of the french army and rode north to raise the siege of orleans clad in full armor astride a white charger sword at her side she carried a banner which had been described to her by the mystic voices the field of the banner was sown with the lilies of france in the centre was painted god holding the world and on each side knelt an angel the motto was jesus maria with this banner floating above her she rode to orleans and all the country people who saw her pass told their neighbors the old prophecy had come true by great good fortune joan's army was able to enter the city of orleans there the warrior maid was received with the utmost reverence greeted as a deliverer sent by god and hope revived in the people's hearts she waited a short time and then taking counsel with her generals planned an attack on the english outside the walls again fortune stood by her 
the french were victorious and the enemy were forced to retreat and so raise the siege joan's first task was done after an interval she set out upon the second to crown the dauphin in the city of rheims this meant a march through a part of france held by the enemy and the capture of many cities joan and her army accomplished the work however and the day came when charles the dauphin and the maid of orleans as she was now called entered the great cathedral of rheims and joan heard her prince consecrated and proclaimed king of france she had given her country new hope and strength and a king to look to joan had now completed the two tasks for which she had left doremi her voices had spoken truly to her and she had done what they had commanded she wanted to go home enter her father's house again and remain a peasant girl like her friends and share their simple life but she had become too wonderful in the eyes of france for the people to let her do as she wished they begged her to do more and so she was persuaded to keep with the royal army and wage battle after battle with the english for a time victory stayed with her but finally one day at compiegne she was cut off from her men by the enemy surrounded and taken prisoner the rest of her history is briefly told she was put in prison at rouen tried for witchcraft condemned and burned at the stake in fourteen thirty one when she was nineteen years old so it was that the peasant girl stirred france to hope by her wonderful deeds and gave her life at the end for her country's sake france made her a national heroine the catholic church proclaimed her a saint and in all history there is hardly to be found so marvellous a story as that of the simple girl of doremi joan of arc called the maid of france End of chapter two